Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play.
Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many, many, many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 225 is the American bird, Leah Haydu. <laughs> yes, hello. It's lovely to be back. And to have such a, a neat, succinct label for all <laughs> yeah, your Yeah, it, it fits, right? You know, you can just, it, now you know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> If only we get, yeah, we, well, maybe one day we'll end up with another uh, US female and <laughs> then we'll have two American birds. Uh, yeah, Crazy. so you've been really, you've been ill, you've been w yes. acting up at work and, uh, and yet you've still made time for us here. I did. I, I have my priorities in order uh, and um, I'm, I'm on the mend and... I'm still a little bit under at work, but that's okay. My my boss will be back in a week, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been quite a uh, quite a month, and we're only halfway through it. So intense um, time, yeah. and you've got uh, the usual hardcore playlist of too many games. I've, uh, <laughs> As we you, all do, yes. <laughs> yeah, you've been adding them uh, almost daily to the list, uh, both the metaphorical list and the, the actual list of games. Per personal list plus the spreadsheet yeah. list of, uh, the, the great and mighty, uh, Kanemarin spreadsheet, which you would think would actually get smaller as we oh, covered no. more games, but no, we no. add them faster than we cover them by far. They come, so. out. They come yes. out too quick. And yeah, and I, and in terms of your own, like, like me, although the games aren't necessarily the same ones, in all cases, we both kind of have this thing where we really want to genuinely want to play all those games that we've wanted to play for years and continue, they continue to come out and we continue yeah. to have that desire, that, that, uh, that will uh, that pushes us on to try to play and beat every game that we think might interest us. And I do helpful things to you, Leah, like say, <laughs> oh, look. Look what's come out Look at this, this week. This JRPG is, series yeah. that's gonna that's gonna take you hundreds of hours to complete. That looks like something you'd like. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I would like yeah. that. So mm. my my personal list has expanded um, mm. a lot in the past couple of years. Um, the mm. the specific one uh, that we're talking about here, the uh, the romancing saga series, mm. is something that I never really. I, I, when I was uh, adding them to the list this morning, in fact, um, I. I, I didn't really realize that a lot of them are fairly recent releases in the West. Right. A lot of them yeah. were originally Japan only uh, and now are available pretty much everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I, it wasn't, wasn't something I got into originally. And then I was looking through them mm. after, uh, after you recommended or uh, pointed me in that direction. And thought, well, why wasn't I into these? These look yeah. exactly my jam. So Yeah, totally. As, yeah, as a remake, as we're recording just last week of Romancing Saga 3 came out. And mm -hmm. I don't even... There's a couple of series or games that we're going to talk about from based on your music picks that I'm less than familiar with. Although people you know, very kindly sometimes compliment me on my fairly broad and uh, you know detailed knowledge of all games there are just too many games for any one human to know every oh, single game and in terms of every entry in every jrpg series i think although most of those series have in some found at least some part of them coming out in the west there mm. are still some series that are still outside of their kind of their niche 
their and their hardcore fans there oh for sure i know the names but i couldn't you know i couldn't tell you too much about them beyond them beyond they exist and you know maybe give you a rough idea of what years they started to come out but as you say even sometimes when you're following these series you go actually it started way before i thought it did mm -hmm. and it's still going um you know yeah that's that's the case like with that. uh i mean even with a lot of established series uh like the fire emblem series started way before i thought it did and it has a lot of entries that are still yeah. uh, unlocalized in Japan only um, yes. entries. And, you know, the Fire, Fire Emblem series has become such a big thing here recent, more, more recently, I suppose, not, not just recently. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's wild to see just how much there is. Yes. We're here to talk about music as well as the games that the music comes from. And we opened, I hope you recognized it, some of you folks, listeners, with the, uh, the sound of the ballad of the windfish there was was the uh, the opening little motif mm. from that piece which is the ending of the recent remake of the legend of zelda wink, wink. who's wink wink's awakening yes wink, uh, wink's awakening <laughs> link, El elmer fudd wink, plays wink, zelda wink's awakening yes <sighs> anyway <laughs> uh octo rock 385 appropriately named from the forum requests that one saying when the Link's Awakening remake was announced, I had a minor heart attack. I hope you're recovering now, Octorock. <laughs> Finally, a remake of something I actually liked. I mean, God, that's that's a mindset I can't imagine because like they remake things I love all the time. Um, so it's a bit cheaper for Octorock. When I heard the ending theme had been rearranged into this that we've already heard, it was an amazingly bittersweet moment for me. Quest complete, childhood relived. And as an added bonus, my four-year-old got to experience it with me. Yeah. <laughs> so the remake music was done by Ryo Nagamatsu and the original Link's Awakening music was done by Minako Hamano. And there's actually some little bits of it you can hear in that piece there. It sort of goes back into the chiptune sounds, which I think is really nice touch. Yeah. Of course, Koji Kondo wrote the Legend of Zelda theme, which that tune alludes to if if it doesn't actually play it directly and yeah so that's last is it when did it come out site uh, august september couple, yeah it's not been that long uh, just no. a few months ago now yeah uh grezzo made it of course they've been responsible for a number of remakes and i it's obviously it's on my list and we covered the entire legend of zelda series including link's awakening back in issue 212 we just did link's awakening into uh 212 i should say we did the rest of the series around it a couple of years it took uh, and so of course both uh, that and uh, cadence of hyrule are on my to be played list but i have been slightly perturbed by there's been a few people on our forum saying that the performance of the game technically yeah is really quite subpar for nintendo so some people are absolutely not bothered by uneven frame rates but this game has quite some quite bad dips of frame rate in in busy areas meaning that it doesn't have that quite that same slick polished feel that you would normally expect from a nintendo branded title yeah i think i think that's the odd part right because i i don't expect all of my games to be 100 percent smooth and i'd be great if they were but you know some of them some of them aren't and that's not something that generally bothers me too much personally but no. It is it is odd coming from a Nintendo title, a first party Nintendo title, 
and I have heard some of the same complaints now, much to my own shame. I have not played the remake yet. It is on my list to get to. Uh, I, I'm thinking probably Christmas. over, well, even uh, for me, I think it might be over the Thanksgiving holiday. Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, nice. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But I it is it is very high up on my list. I, I do, would like to get to it before the end of the year. Um because I very much enjoyed the original Link's Awakening. Uh, I was on that podcast and uh, a number, of course, of I think this is the part where I contractually have to mention my tattoo again. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a very big Zelda fan, so it, it's something that I am excited for, uh, and I'm sure that I'll enjoy it even with the frame rate dips. Sure, but, uh, yeah. yeah. It is a little I'm sure lot. it'll be a real treat. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a shame, and, and I thought maybe by now, because I, I thought maybe I'd leave it until Grezzo sorted out but maybe it's maybe the issues are too baked in but um given what nintendo itself has managed to push around on switch looking absolutely stunning and operating at at a smooth uh, 30 or 60 frames Mm -hmm. it's surprising that they haven't got there anyway uh this isn't digital foundry we love the music we love the presentation i mean i think visually that game uh, i know some people it it's a it's a it's an aesthetic thing and therefore a subjective thing, but sure. a lot of people really love the, the the visuals. I think it very much sort of follows on from the three DS link between worlds. It's like a it's like another version of that, but it looks even more sort of like a little diorama, a little yeah. Zelda toy set. I like and, it. Um, I like what they did with that. I, I, I like it when they mess around with the art style, uh, and come up with different things, even if it's not always my favorite in a series I, I i like the differentiation between some of the titles there do you know what i think would be nice would be we had obviously the two games on the ds and we reviewed both of those we gave them both their own podcast some some good things about them some things that a lot of people weren't so keen about the spirit tracks and phantom hourglass mm-hmm. but what it would be nice to see because those games effectively took the wind waker art style and put them on the ds but obviously the DS was considerably lower resolution. It would be quite nice to see that, I think, that style busted out again on the Switch because you could make it look really spectacular, I would think. Well, it's I, I think it's pretty well documented how I feel about Wind Waker. Uh, and if it's not, I will say that Wind Waker is still my favorite Zelda title. So uh, I, I'd be all for that, personally. Mm, an actual Wind Waker 2, perhaps. Oh, I'd Switch. love that. I would love mm. that. Right. First up for your selections, Leah, for this show. And this is one of those games. Now, I think this counts as a kind of cult classic. Oh, sure. It's a game that I know very little about. So tell us, I assume it's pronounced Okage? I, I assume King? so, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I actually kind of went out of my way to get a uh, a an odd title, a, a little more niche, um, maybe, a, as you say, a cult classic. Um Mm. Okage Shadow King is a PS2 JRPG from 2001 that I ran into pretty much by accident. It was one Mm. of those when I still would just kind of go and browse over the pre-owned titles at a GameStop or whatever. I don't do that as much anymore, and it's almost a shame that I don't because even though I don't exactly need more titles, I've already got plenty of them. You would sometimes find things like this that I never really heard of in any other places. I just kind of happened to pick up the box and go, ah, this looks interesting. Mm. And then I ended up putting a lot of time into it. Uh, This would have been uh, when I was in later college years Um, because it wasn't right when it came out. It was uh, a couple of years after. But uh, my, my memory is of 
when I was uh, in my senior year of my undergraduate degree, I was living in a house with uh, three other girls and there was a fire in our house and uh, nobody was home at the time. Nobody was hurt uh, and very little was actually damaged, but we did have to move out of the house and we were living in kind of a temporary place where I was in this attic bedroom and I just have this very vivid memory of sitting on the floor in this attic bedroom with my 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 small little TV set, you know, and, and just playing this on that. Uh, on a half melted PS2. <laughs> basically, yes. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't melted so much as it just was smoky. Everything smelled like smoke yeah. for quite a long time after that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's my personal memory of this. The game itself is, uh, as I say, it's a, uh, a turn based JRPG and you <laughs> you play as a kind of a yeah, more or less standard teens go to go on an adventure type of thing. Mm-hmm. The twist is that you are, as the title sort of suggests, you are aided and uh, sometimes hindered by uh, your shadow, which mm-hmm. is something that you have set free and then has possessed you. Uh, and different characters have different shadows. It's been a while since I played this. Is this like um, a Philip Pullman things, like his Dark Materials kind uh- of? Exactly. Uh, it's a little sillier than that. Um, yeah. Okay. It's your your literal shadows are actually um, popping up and uh, sometimes will fight for you. Um, the main character, I, I don't remember the uh, the actual main character, human main character's name, but I do remember that the shadow Ari. that possesses him, uh, Ari, okay, yes, correct, Ari. Um, uh, is called uh, Evil King Stan, uh, which... I don't know if that's a translation thing or what, but that I I don't find myself especially threatened by Evil King Stan. Stanley. Yeah, mm. he's uh he's a, an interesting character. But yeah, you uh it's you know you are essentially going around and under his direction or possession or whatever, uh, defeating other evil kings so that he can be the best evil king. And uh, that's it. It's it's quirky and it's. You know, not very serious, but I I found that I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, it actually did get a uh, PS4 digital release yeah. upscale relatively yeah. recently. Uh, yeah. I think it's been a few years, but mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's actually surprisingly available for something that I didn't think would ever actually see a, another release. So uh, if that cool. sounds interesting, I would recommend checking out a couple of videos and seeing if it seems like something you might be into. Vampire Evil King Battle, then. Yes. Uh, so, as I mentioned, they uh, they do battle with other evil kings, and this the the title is just what it sounds like. You are uh, you are battling the the vampire evil king. I I chose this track. Um, it kind of ties as spoilers. It ties into uh, something that I picked for later. Uh, but it it actually does kind of sound like almost a a later Castlevania track. Um, yeah. it, it has some of those, uh, some of those stings in it. Uh, and I, I, I liked that they did that callback, you know, I, whether it was consciously or not, I expect, I expect that it was, uh, but, uh, yeah, for, for this particular theme, uh, it's nice that it was, you know, sounded like something that you would immediately associate with, or I at least would immediately associate with a, uh, a vampire theming.
composers on that game are many fold. Junichi Doi, Takamitsu Kajikawa, Yoshikazu Kawatani, Toda Kazuhide, and or Toshiaki Murata, one of those games. Yes. It was a Sony released game uh, by a team that I know even less about than the game itself. Xenoworks or Xenoworks? They don't have a Wikipedia entry of their own, I will tell wow. you that. Okay. Yeah, so I, I suspect that they didn't, uh, they were a, probably a pretty small team that didn't do much else other than this, mm. but uh, I can't really confirm that i uh no. I, I don't know much about them either mm, it's one of those if we if we covered it we'd look into yes. the individuals and find out that they probably worked on all sorts of interesting things before and after <laughs> yeah next up is some actual chip tunes or, or augmented anyway but uh, definitely from the the game boy palette originally because this is chipzel the uh, annoyingly talented young <laughs> Northern Irish woman, I think she is, Chipsell. Uh, and she has collaborated with Terry Cavanagh here on... I decided to bring some pieces from 2019 games for this show. It's not an officially an end-of-year show, but why not? We're coming towards that sort of reflective time. This is from a game that came out only on PC and Mac so far, uh, and not one that I've played. And I, I have mixed, mixed feelings with Terry Cavanagh's games. Dicey Dungeons, this is from. Uh, I don't know whether it's my bag at all, but uh, Colin Alonzo requested the tune and he says just a lovely jazzy chip tune piece. And it is. So let's enjoy.
So we haven't covered Dicey Dungeons that that's from yet, but we did cover Super Hexagon, which is a game I personally despised <laughs> back in Kane and Rince podcast issue 281. Uh, I just, it just actually, I had a, it's one of those games where I can, I totally get why it's cool, why people like it, but the actual act of playing it made me feel quite unwell. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, I, I have not actually played Super Hexagon or Dicey Dungeons. Um, They, they seem pretty different from each other, but oh, absolutely, I, yeah. yeah, but I, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. That it seems like a very, um not impressionist but what's what's the word i'm looking for here just kind of um there's a lot moving there's a lot going on a lot of visual things that i i am not a person who generally gets motion sickness at games right but no, um, i can i can definitely see how super hexagon would have uh, have that effect anyway dicey dungeons uh, reviewed pretty well earlier this mm-hmm. year didn't get loads and loads of coverage but it has like an 80 percent average review score so worth checking out uh, don't please don't be put off based on my reaction to a different <laughs> game altogether. Uh, I'm just mentioning it to explain, I suppose, as much as anything. Why I wasn't on the Super Hexagon podcast because I couldn't play it enough to form a, a mean, more meaningful opinion than oh, I hate this. <laughs> um, I quite like V his uh, his previous game to that one. So uh, yeah, I've got nothing against Terry himself. Uh, it's just that feeling of trying to you know that thing where you try to put a bit of cotton through the eye of a needle you do needlework i I do and (laughs) and if you get that wrong several times i don't know about you but it creates this kind of almost animalistic level of kind of rage yeah it's it's (laughs) it can can get very tough if you uh if if you just don't have the level of precision required and you know that you don't have it but you really think that you should have it so you keep trying yeah no mm -hmm, i'm right there with you (laughs) Uh, how is your needlecraft going at the moment? You've um, it's you know, great. You, yeah. Listeners may not know this, but uh, but you've made a number of uh, video game related uh, pieces. What do you call them? Uh, yeah, I guess pieces would be uh, would be pretty accurate. Yeah, I um, I, I I do other things uh, other than video game uh, needlework, but uh, it's it's very easy. It turns out to find some <laughs> really cool specialist patterns on Etsy. In particular, is is where I've gotten a lot of mine. And, and pixels lend themselves nicely to... Yeah, they do. Because basically, if you're looking at a cross-stitch pattern, all it is is just a grid with, you know, little colors mm. lit up. So uh, that's and that's what a lot of pixel art it tends to be as well. So uh, it it does translate very well. I, I There are even programs. I've never successfully used one, but there are programs that you can get that will, if you can upload the correct yes. type of image, will yep. just convert a, a pixel screen or a pixel image into a cross stitch pattern, um, which is pretty cool too. Uh, and I, the biggest ones that I have done, uh, I did one that is uh, completed now. That is a Legend of Zelda uh, one title screen that mm. uh, I, I did, and now I'm working on uh, Zelda two, the yeah. Adventure of Link title screen, which it's. Um, Little known fact to people who don't work in needlework and probably won't care, but I have found that it's very difficult to work on black fabric because you can't really see what you're doing. So it's oh. taking a little bit longer, uh, but huh. uh, it's it's something I I find it difficult to just sit still and watch things. Um, so if I'm not playing a video game, then I like to have something to do with my hands and that works. So, yeah. Mm. And it gives me cool stuff that I can put on my walls. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The I would have thought... Uh, 
the the black would actually help the colors stand out more. So it but does. No. It does once it's once it's done. The right. problem is that when you're when you're putting the needle through the tiny little holes in the fabric, oh, yeah. half the time your hand is below the fabric, so you can't see the hole as well. So you're trying to stab something that you can't really oh. see. Okay, it's good yeah. point. It's, uh, it's, and does it, you get used to it. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have to have tetanus shots before you? <laughs> no, well, I mean, not unless you're working with some very questionable needles, but um, <laughs> I, I suppose it might not that would be, be an art piece idea. in itself. I've never stabbed myself badly enough that I've actually, well, maybe I have bled. I'm not sure. But uh, it's if I have, it's been very rare. You're not, you're not really doing good. a whole lot of force with, with these kinds of things. No, but I think it'd be good to have a, a bit of needle craft, needle work with some you know the author's blood on it i think it would it would add <laughs> something to the value it's haunted at that point yes <laughs> and yes i will yeah, be with it does you actually... forever through my blood on this piece that i made for you merry christmas it does sound like a relic i would find in uh, in in a dnd based crpg just, or something a resident evil just room <laughs> mm. from resident evil <laughs> to sonic the hedgehog yeah <laughs> a series of games that, while we still haven't covered on the main Cane and Rinse podcast, it's definitely something we'd love to do in the future. But we do currently have our very own Darren Gargett, if you're interested, uh, streaming on Sunday mornings on our Twitch channel. And then the videos go onto YouTube so you can watch them anytime. Sunday mornings, UK time, of course, because Darren's in, uh, in the mean streets of Leighton Buzzard. He's currently playing through some Sonics for fun. Uh, so yeah join him then if you will look out on our social media as always for announcements of when these things are happening and yeah subscribe to our youtube channel as well and uh, keep up but this this track is from the original 1991 sonic the hedgehog that darren's already played and yeah like like you i have obviously i think you're about 10 years younger than i am but uh, or, or something like that i can't remember exactly but um but i also have very very fond uh, nostalgic memories of this piece in particular because it it just kind of changes up the vibe from the kind of all action go get kind of upbeat pop up tempo kind of driving groove of the earlier levels and then suddenly you're in this starlit zone and you've got this kind of loungy jazz piece going on yeah i i um <laughs> Way, way to go picking up on the synergy that I was going for there uh, with, with the streaming. It was very smooth. Um, mm. but, but that's, that's actually uh, what, what led me back to the, uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog music because I really like Sonic music and we've done Sonic specials on Sound of Play before. Right. Um, but I really like this piece and uh, combing through what we, uh, what we have done previously, I noticed that it had not been featured yet. So uh, I, I agree. It is, it is uh, kind of a not not even an upbeat departure. It is upbeat, but you know the yeah. the rest of so is the rest of the soundtrack. But this is um, kind of airy, kind of light. It it I like outer space tracks in games. I think mm -hmm. I might have previously. If I haven't, then it was something that I considered. But um, from uh, the Mario Land, I think it was from Mario Land Two there is a uh, a space world and i really like the music from that as well um it, if you can make it sound like it's sort of twinkly um it's something difficult to quantify for me but um twinkly okay. is a sound that i like and uh, i think i think this does that uh i i really enjoy that zone uh because i like the aesthetics of it and i like the music as well so that's where starlight zone comes from for me <laughs> Thank you. 
Masato Nakamura was a composer for the Genesis Mega Drive versions of the uh, the Sonic music because the Master System had their own composer in, um, of course, Yuzo Koshiro. So, uh, yeah, different tracks, uh, although some of them, I believe, are kind of shared across. But, yeah, you'd have mm. a kind of different um, you'd have a different sort of sound uh, going on with the with the Master System, of course. Uh, Fun fact, and, I always get confused yeah. between the Mega Drive and the Master System. <laughs> so uh, the Mega Drive would have been the one that was roughly equivalent to the Genesis, yeah? It's exactly the same. Okay. Yeah, was, so. yeah the Genesis was just uh, the American rebadging of the Mega Drive. For some reason, they decided that uh, in Europe, we got the same name as the Japanese name, which was the Mega Drive. Um, but they decided that wasn't cool enough or <laughs> it didn't. Or there was something else called possibly we did. We did a Mega Drive special podcast. Listen mm. to that. We may have covered this. I can't remember. Um, but yes, it was decided that uh, the Genesis was, for whatever reason, a better fitting name for the US market. Uh, yeah, the Master System was uh, was called the same everywhere, but it was, apart from Japan, where it wasn't the Master System, it was the something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Master yeah. System wasn't as really a big thing here, so I, I think no. that might be why I conflate the Mega Drive yeah. with it. One thing that's uh, interesting in that case is there may be some listeners who are listening to that thinking it was too fast, mm -hmm. and that's because... The PAL version was actually slower and the music was slower in this case. So I knew that the first time I heard that track, it was like 16% slower, which actually suited that piece quite well, I think. Um, but More like a uh, lullaby at that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yes, yeah, so sometimes you get people commenting on, because that's how it's supposed to sound, of course, because the <laughs> NTSC was the correct speed the 60 hertz version same as japan but you occasionally see comments from kids who grew up in europe going why is this track why is sonic why is all the music too fast on this latest <laughs> version of sonic and it's like it's not <laughs> yeah it's it's actually yeah. uh it's actually not yeah it's uh, another fun thing about this particular track and i i would guess that it's probably the same uh for a lot of the early sonic music uh, it's difficult to find just the track on YouTube because mm. most of it has just been looped into like these 10 hours of ten Starlight hours. Zone. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't yeah. need 10 hours. I need the original track, no. please. But yeah, mm. it's uh, something that I guess a lot of people want to have on in the background for extended periods of time. I would think that maybe after, I don't know, 20 minutes, it might get a little old, but yeah. I, it's not for yeah. me, I, I suppose. Yeah. I'm currently playing Planescape Torment for the podcast. We're covering it in a couple of weeks. I'm about... 15 plus hours in and we're about i think i'm about halfway through the main story of the game and there is one piece that plays coming back yeah. all the time <laughs> you know and i could really do without i, I, like, I want to keep the sound on because i want to be able to talk about all the tunes from the different areas and stuff which do kick in from time to time but you spend a lot of hours in this main city hub and the music never changes and uh i could do without that piece ever <laughs> playing again and well, I'll talk about it on the show, but um, yeah, it's not a big deal. But yes, there comes a point where you don't want to hear the same piece yeah. over and over again. We've all been there. Agreed. Now we have a request from Dom's Beard from the Forum Rich, who's been on this show before. He says this piece of music plays at the end of episode two of Life is Strange 2. The whole scene to its end, depending on choices, is pretty powerful stuff and was a proper pad down, head in hands moment. This piece of music is about saying goodbye when you don't want to. 
More people should be talking about this game as, for me, it is superior to Season 1. Episodes 1 to 3 are on Game Pass, by the way. I think he's right. So yeah, Life is Strange 2, let's hear the music. And this is Free Spirits by Jonathan Morali. Leo, we covered Life is Strange Season 1 in Kane of Rinse Issue 277. We did. You liked it a lot more than Josh liked it, uh, if I recall correctly. It's true. I believe I hosted <laughs> that show. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, well, Josh is a monster, as we uh, well know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I, it, Life is Strange seemed to be pretty polarizing, uh, not even just within the team, but within... The wider. Yes, within the gaming community in general. A lot of people like me really liked it, had uh, had pretty strong reactions to it. And then the, just as well, there were a lot of people who really didn't like it and felt that it was ineffective and cheesy and, you know, just not did not work for them. Uh, mm. And that's fine. I think that those I, I think that those uh, reactions are both perfectly valid and it made for a, a good show. Yeah. Um, as for the second season, yes. I have not played it yet. Um, no. Somewhat surprisingly, I mm. uh, the first Life is Strange, I did not play along with it. I have I have trouble with episodic games sometimes. I don't recall whether we've been over this in the show or not, but um, you prefer to wait for the whole thing to yeah, which is be there. Uh, 
which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes it leads to things like Kentucky Route Zero, which I still haven't <laughs> played any of because we've been Same, waiting for yeah. the fifth episode for yeah. years now. But um, yeah, for, with the first Life is Strange, I, I think I started playing it somewhere around when the fourth episode came out. So it wasn't completely finished, but it was pretty close. And then by the time I got up there, I didn't have long to wait until uh, until it did finish off. But for this, um, I, I was kind of holding off a little bit. I, I played the kind of interim uh, adventures of Captain Spirit. Uh, yeah. I, I did play that uh, and and enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, and I do intend to play Life is Strange 2. Uh, the people who I have heard, it, it, it hasn't gotten as much press that I have noticed no. Uh, as the first one did, uh, and but the the people that I have heard talking about it have had generally pretty positive things to say about it, and I expect that I I probably will like it as well. Mm. Um, just one of those things that I just haven't gotten around to yet. Yeah, so I assume it is each episode is coming to Game Pass then for those who I would have guess an Xbox and Game Pass. So yeah, uh, that's pretty neat. I guess uh, I was talking to our. Ryan Heyman, who has uh, for listeners who don't know, did work for Nintendo for a while, now works for Microsoft. And uh, he works among the Game Pass mm -hmm. uh, team there. And So if you ever want anything that... to be on Game Pass, just tweet <laughs> at insert coins and um, ask him. He can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get they don't get enough of those requests, apparently. <laughs> um but uh, one of the things I was saying about the service that I think is uh, is a problem is that it doesn't really communicate very clearly when things are going to be taken off. Yeah. And I mean, this is common for these kinds of sure. services. Netflix has a thing uh, where, you know, um, ha has an issue with this. And mm -hmm. there are, I think like Amazon Prime has on its video says, uh, you know, like movies with a limited time on this yeah. service and i think hulu Xbox, has something that's like expiring yeah. soon you know but yeah. it's not that because especially with like with movies it, it's it's okay because you it, like something ex expiring soon okay i can watch that in two yeah. hours and it's done with games you need to you need a much more of a lead sure. in time don't you I, I think really ideally and i can understand why they wouldn't do this ideally they should say we currently have a contract for this until this date, like in a year's mm -hmm. time or two years time. Uh, that is subject to change. They might extend it or whatever. But as it stands, you have this long to play it before it's removed from the service and then you'll have to buy it. Um, I understand why they wouldn't do that, but yeah. it would be really consumer friendly to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. It, w it would be nice, but I can't see them doing that because they, they, they want you to buy it if you're in the middle of something and then yeah. it just disappears. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. More of a business decision than anything else, I would assume. But yeah, it, yeah. in an ideal world. <laughs> he has said, Ryan did say that uh, they were working on better communication. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that will entail exactly. But, uh, but yeah, that'll be helpful because, yeah, I'm finding that I'm adding Game Pass games to my I would like to play that list and mm -hmm. I have access to it. But of course, there is the chance that by the time I get to it, it won't be on Game Pass anymore. Yeah, I've which, been doing the you same. Know, first world problems. But. <laughs> True. My, and, and of course, by the time you have nothing have on, else to play if that goes <laughs> yeah, away. Right. And by the time things have been on Game Pass and taken off, say they've been on there, even I don't know what the minimum contract is, I would imagine six months or a year, even if they've only been on that long. By the time they come off it, they are going to be cheap. You Almost know, certainly, are, so, yes. so to buy them is not going to be a, a big outlay, I wouldn't have thought in most cases. Anyway, a bit of consumer chat. We can do anything we like on Sound of Play. Hooray! Back to the music. <laughs> <laughs> And some more, some actual, proper, legit Game Boy 
chiptune music. So you recently did a, a 8-bit and 16-bit Castlevania show, yes. which is excellent. Check it out, listener. But this one didn't make the cut. No, well, it, it almost did. Uh, yeah, I. So, uh, Mikhail and I did uh, a Castlevania special, the first part of Castlevania special, part two to be announced at some point, I assume. But, um, yeah, no. we. Yes. No. no. <laughs> okay, well, apparently we're fired from Sound of Play, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found much to my own surprise. Uh, and it, I guess it shouldn't have been that big, that big of a surprise because I like Castlevania music. And in general, I also like Game Boy chiptune music. Uh, but I had never played Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge from the Game Boy. Um, mm. And that was the one soundtrack that I got into when preparing for that show that I found that I really just liked kind of start to finish. Uh, so there were a few tracks included in the special from this game, but this is one that uh, did not make the cut, and I wanted to squeeze some more Castlevania Two music in. So uh, it's uh, it's quite a good one, I think. <laughs>
Praying Hands Brackets Cloud Castle by Hidehiro Funauchi from Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge. Of course, a lot of Game Boy tunes were more, you know, like we were talking earlier about those those short loops, those little clips that were probably, you know, 30 seconds long, maybe not even that at times uh, on a cycle just to to accompany you while playing through the level. You might have your headphones in and listen in stereo, you might not. But these pieces, like that piece there, that's a three minute actual track. Like mm -hmm. it changes throughout, it, it evolves, it moves on, it, it finds new themes as it goes. That's, I guess, one of the reasons why even from its earliest days, Castlevania series was so strongly associated with, yeah, like powerful and memorable themes. Yeah, and, and this track, uh, or this game rather, it a lot of the music in it I mean, it is identifiably Castlevania music. Like you, I, I think that people who have played uh, other games in the series even would probably be able to listen to it, and if not immediately identify it as Castlevania music, at least go, oh, you know, once they knew, it would make sense. But it's not not a lot of the tracks that you would recognize as yeah. you know, just the the ones that keep coming back. Not a lot of those the are hits. present here, uh, and. It's mostly, you know, original music, and, and I, I think that's kind of fascinating because in a series that was a few deep, was a few games deep by this point, you would yeah. kind of expect it to rely on some of those, or at least to bring back the themes more than it really does. Uh, and it doesn't really do that too much, but it's still wonderful. I, I just, I really, I can't overstate enough how surprised and pleased I was by, uh, by this soundtrack. Yeah. It's another case where we were talking earlier about the JRPGs, but it's mm -hmm. not just JRPGs either. It's, it's other series where you kind of, although you're aware of them on some level, sure. it's, it's very easy to not keep up with every installment of every series mm -hmm. on every format. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, it's really cool to go back. It's one of the, you know, one of the things why we like to be quite completist about it generally when we cover mm -hmm. series on, on the main podcast is because there's actually, it's very easy to just go for the obvious selections, but it's a shame to miss out on some of these, yeah, kind of underexplored little treats, which, uh, which were put together, you know, with every bit as much mm -hmm. kind of care and craft as, as the the more famous entries in many cases we also did uh, a segment on kid dracula so you know go that's that, that exactly. was a fun show you should Which has had a check kind that of, out yeah it's had another lease of life because konami actually yeah, you know, they the, actually released some games collection. recently kind of um <laughs> they released some retro compilations and kid dracula got bungled in with it uh, so yeah nice work them and m2 I uh, know it's Indeed. not uh, it's not at all fashionable to say nice things about Konami, and I understand the the misery and the frustration. But something, credit where credit's due. Go machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, that's guess <laughs> that's one of those kind of video games chat industry, uh, you know, sphere gags that I just wish would die because it's so. It's just like <laughs> so, yes, just. Say pachinko machine because someone mentioned Konami. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like weak, weak satire. I'm sure we we've all done it. I don't mean to sure. be too critical, but um, but yes, Konami. Yes, you suck. But uh, but those those compilations. But nice job on the compilation. Thanks. Guys. Yeah, more more please. <laughs> uh, don't forget to team up with great uh, great people like M2 and, mm. and 
actually bring us yeah even if even if all you're going to do forevermore is bring us your old games in nice formats um they're very good do. old games so you know <laughs> yeah. just keep them coming i guess and it makes them accessible which is better cool. than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the fact those have the mega drive and the super nintendo uh stuff on as well as the the you know the handheld and it's, yeah. yeah like they're not completely comprehensive but they are. They do have things that are, yeah, definitely more difficult to get your hands on the original cartridges. I've gotten, yeah. I've gotten into starting to collect some uh, original games in series that I like, and some of those can get quite expensive and yes. difficult to find in good condition. So uh, it's it's nice to have them in playable condition. Just you know, not, it might not be the collectible type, but that's fine. Sometimes I just want to play. Uh, a game that I've never gotten my hands on before. so Easily accessible. Yeah. And you might get trophies or achievements. You might. You've got a Retron 5, though, haven't you? I do, yes. And mm. it's... Uh... It's I love it. Um, I, I don't I don't use it all the time, but I I have amassed a, a small-ish collection of um, kind of things that I... Because I never had a, a Super Nintendo when I was younger, and um, I, I did have a Sega Genesis, so some of the games that I did play when I was younger, uh, plus some of the games that I never really got a chance to play in their original format and maybe aren't as accessible now, it's, uh, it's really nice. It works quite well. You get the opportunity to have things like save states so uh it's it's uh quite a nice little system i think excellent now we have another track from the year 2019 at the time of recording this game just won yesterday's 37th i think it was golden joystick awards kind of game of the year award which is mostly done by a public vote so resident evil 2 is the game the remake uh, it's currently top of my to actually get back to i have played a couple of hours but I want to play it some more over Christmas. And this, of course, there is the option to download and, and switch to the original soundtrack. But this is a piece requested by Stalked by Cats from the forum from the remade soundtrack or the, the reorchestrated or rewritten even in some cases. But this is Looming Dread, Hunk's theme from the RE2 remake. It's short. It's straight to the point, says Stalked by Cats. And it's very, very good. Now let's hear it. Looming Dread. Thank you. 
Saku Uchiyama and or Zenlan Kang with Looming Dread from the 2019 Resident Evil 2. Now, for those who haven't picked it up, I see it cropping up in the end of year sales. So people we know really, really, really love that game. I really, uh, really, really love that game. Yeah. Did you play it? Did you complete it? And stuff? I did. Yes. Uh, that's nice. one of the increasingly rare situations in which I play a game in the year that it's released. Um, Good job. Yeah, I, I felt very accomplished there. Uh, yeah, I, I never got all the way through the original Resident Evil 2. Um, mm. I It's just not something that I did, I guess. Uh, but the remake I, I love. Uh, it's it, it has a lot in common with uh, just gameplay wise with Resident Evil 7, uh, which I also liked a lot. Yeah. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. they, you know, built on, I believe, use the same engine, but uh, built on yes. uh, a lot of what they did with that game. And it, it plays so well. I think that's one of the things that probably held me back from going back to finish the original Resident Evil 2. I am not generally somebody who is put off by um, dated controls or, you know, just older right. games in general that that doesn't tend to bother me uh, as long as it's a good game and I, I think that Resident Evil 2 is pretty well regarded as a good game just in its own right yeah. um, not something that generally bothers me but I think it is something that makes it easier to go back to if it is sort of a modernized um, just feel to the game modernized controls and all of that sure. um, so yeah I was hearing good things I went straight in pretty shortly after release and uh, ended up really enjoying the game. So mm. I I may go back at some point, um, especially if there is a show about it, which I'm sure that in the next coming years, perhaps there will be. Um, but uh, I might go back and do mm. the other, uh, I, I did a... Um, the other paths. Yes, uh, the other paths and uh, just kind of get into it even more. But uh, for now, I am content with what I played this year. Lovely. Yeah. So we yeah. covered the original Resident Evil 2 in our big long series of Resident Evil 2 podcasts on Kane and Rince. That was issue 307. I talked about how when I first bought that back in 98, I played it through four times in my Ooh. first weekend of owning the game, which uh, which I still remember very fondly, both <laughs> paths in both orders. It was cool. I wish I'd had chance to do it uh, this time. But Kane and Rince games, you know, yes. um, that's what happens. But yeah, thanks for the request. Stalked by cats. Now we're talking about, yeah, maybe slightly deep cuts from <laughs> the archives, from the dusty halls of games that came out in the early 2000s in this case. And this is another one. So this was the second Shadow Hearts game known um, simply as Shadow Hearts 2 in Japan, but got renamed Covenant for its Western release. Uh, and this is another kind of series where I could do with a bit of a, a Cliff Notes version. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, so Shadow Hearts is another JRPG series where um, you kind of have it's it's a Cliff Notes version is very difficult because this game is weird. Mm. Um, this I if I I encourage uh, you and or anybody else to like read the Wikipedia versions and just kind of oof. Um, so mm. Shadow Hearts Covenant starts with a uh, character, uh, her name is Karen, um, who is like an officer in World War II. And it you wouldn't think that that is something necessarily that you would see in a Japanese role-playing game. But uh, not, yeah, not it, that it, often. that's not that's not really the focus. Um, you 
you uh, travel with a number of characters who uh, some are possessed by demons and the storylines are uh, very... They're not what I remember about the game as much. What I remember about the game as much is the characters sticking out as being just odd. There's a tailor that you get uh, access to who will make um, costumes for a doll that you uh, that you uh, carry around with you, basically. Right. Uh, and he will make these when you bring him uh, what amounts to uh, pornography. And he gets very excited and then offers to make you new doll clothes uh, for <laughs> your doll friend. And that's... That's a small thing that, like, I remember because it's just one of those really quirky... I, I don't even know that I would say that this is as niche as uh, as Okage that we talked about earlier. No. But it is certainly more outlandish, I think is the word that I'm looking for. Yeah. It's, it's just... I, it's it's kind of a stereotype that you know you find just these weird, wacky things in these these Japanese games that maybe didn't get uh, localized up until about this point when they started bringing over more things uh, mm. and not necessarily worrying about what kind of widespread um, appeal they were going to have. But uh, I, I loved the first Shadow Hearts, which was more of a kind of self-serious type of thing. And then this one went a little bit off the deep end. And then the third one, I don't remember as much about. I did play it, um, but it's um, it, it didn't, I, I don't think it reviewed as well. And I don't think that it, was as memorable for either being mm -hmm. deep or being weird but uh, the combat systems in these games are something that i really enjoy uh and just looking through the the track listing for for this game in particular made me kind of want to go back and play it again just to see what i have forgotten that was i mean if that's what i remember what else is there <laughs> So why did this track did did this stick out in your memory or was it uh, scanning back through and it was and it was jogged? yeah it was more the the latter uh, scanning back through um, I, the so this uh, this studio and uh, this game were made by um, some people who I believe were um, some of them uh, X Square and you can kind of tell yeah. that mm -hmm. um it, it has that feel both in the uh the music and in the actual gameplay um but this track in particular i chose because it uh it kind of struck some near vibes for me um yeah it, right. it's it has kind of an industrial feel when you uh when you start out and and carries that through it's just it's something that you can kind of if if you have played near or near automata in particular you can kind of see this being something that you would hear as you were going through the the wastelands and everything. And as as I said, there is kind of a war theme going on in uh, in parts of this game, so I, I guess that makes sense as well. But uh, the near thing was really what struck me when I was going back through the soundtrack. Yeah, and this piece in particular is called Japan Mid Boss. It also it mashes up that modern industrial sound with traditional Japanese yes. drums, yes, and military sounding stuff. So the soundtrack here is by three people. Again, we don't know who or whether it was a collaboration uh, wrote this particular piece, but Yoshitaka Hirata, Yasunori Mitsuda and Kenji Ito. This is from Shadow Hearts Covenant. <laughs>
Japan mid-boss, that was called, or Hardcore to the Brain. That was also uh, a factor in me choosing it because that's a pretty it's cool good name. Pick. <laughs> yeah. Good pick. Uh, good title. So yeah, uh, that one was from 2004. Leah mentioned the third game, which came out not that long after. Did actually get both US and even a PAL release uh, latterly by uh, on quite a small label. But um, yes. yeah, another interesting series. One of the many, probably another... 50, 100 hours of gameplay in each of those or something insane. At least it's only three games. <laughs> I'd be, I, I'm and also Kudelka, positive that we the... should do... Oh, yes, and Kudelka. Um, but, Predecessor. <clears throat> yeah, we... Uh, I've, I've added... Oh, man, I've added much worse things to the spreadsheet this week alone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, these were pretty well received, these ones. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed them. Yeah, Leah's also added the is it uh, is it Atelier or Atelier? I've never been sure. I, I like think it's French. Atelier. Um, yeah, it's it's French, and I don't speak French, but um, I, I believe it's Atelier. atelier. Yeah, atelier. Um, there's a lot of those. And all the Dragon Quest <laughs> games and the Kingdom Hearts games, which I'm still pushing for. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, coming. Are they are they coming? Did I hear they're coming to Game Pass? The... I still haven't watched that um, okay. that uh, X O nineteen, but uh, presuming that the Slack was not in fact messing with me, then yes, they mm. are coming to Game Pass. Okay, uh, yes, there's a. They recently released the story so far disc on yes. um, on PS four, which I have, which is everything before three. Mm-hmm. Uh, three is now available cheap so yes yeah that's another interesting series that <laughs> we may or may not get around to covering i feel like but... you need a whiteboard for that one several whiteboards maybe it's like that that graphic of yeah it's just charlie day standing in front of a cork board with just string everywhere wild hair yep that's that's kingdom hearts <laughs> yeah and the and it's one of those where i'm intimidated because i might like it from the point of view of somebody who has a lot of you know kind of pleasant feelings towards traditional japanese video games and square mm-hmm. things and disney things but the fans are so serious about it i think that and and this is far from the only series that you can say this about but yeah. i think that there are there are definitely people who are extremely serious about every lore point that you can possibly get in uh, in kingdom hearts mm. i took more of a uh, a a track like like you might um i i enjoy them i think that it's wild to follow some of this stuff but i could not give you a complete through line history of kingdom <laughs> hearts because it just goes so many wild places that um it's very difficult to keep track of so, and it has um, the nutsiest sequel names yes uh three five eight days Gaiden over names. two is probably my favorite um <laughs> uh that's just, it's it's something else is what it is definitely got their tongue in their cheek with those titles i think like the whole you thing would is... hope <laughs> you hope so remember listener please venture over to our forum at canarince.com slash forum or you can follow us on twitter at canarince and we have a facebook page too at least for now uh, where you can request your favorite songs from the history of the video games music medium We'll continue to include a selection in the playlist for each regular sound of play like this one. Please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Leave us an Apple podcast review or iTunes, whatever you want to call it, or rating. We're still lacking in those for sound of play. More helps. It does boost us up the visibility rankometers thanks to algorithms. Listen to our other podcasts. We've mentioned Kane and Rince plenty of times. That comes out on Mondays and it's a deep dive review show of games from all genres and all formats from all years 
and we have a lot of good times making that. Also, Playwright on Thursdays, where the two Ryans invent all new games from nothing but atoms. And on Fridays, Chris O'Regan in the Sausage Factory talks to people who make the games that we play and listen to the music of and review. As I say, follow us on social media. We also have Instagram as well as the Twitter and Facebook. And best of all, if you enjoy this show and all the output that we output, please consider donating just a dollar a month. That's the minimum, but you can do more if you wish and are able to. On our Patreon, patreon.com slash rinse. You get early episodes of the Cana Rinse podcast. You get an exclusive monthly show with me and Jay just chewing the fat and talking about the month just gone, games-wise and elsewise. And you get extended cuts as well of the Cana Rinse podcast. Often, sometimes just 10 minutes longer, sometimes a lot more, sometimes just two hours. But anyway, it's worth it for a dollar a month and it really does help us keep on doing what we do because we do a lot. Thanks, Leah, for joining me. Thank you for having me. I like these uh, these these fun fun times. It's been a while since <laughs> I've been on one that was not a special. So uh, right, yeah, just a regular show. Uh, and thank you to all our community contributors. Do keep them coming. We need your requests. Otherwise, we'll just pick all the tunes ourselves. <laughs> we have one more for you, and this is another 2019 piece from the most recent game we could really feature, give or take. At the time of recording, it's only been out like a week or so, maybe a bit more. Simon Sloth requests it. I've got goosebumps thinking about the release of Death Stranding. It's a little irrational, but my love for the Okajima games is unparalleled, and a new series with the shackles of Konami off <laughs> fills me with excitement. So yeah, this is a, a song with a vocal. This is by Ludwig Forsell, who is now a regular collaborator of Hideo Kojima's Kojima Productions. And we have a vocal here too by Jenny Platt, and we'll leave you with BB's theme from this year's Death Stranding, and we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. See the sunset The day is ending Let the There's no Stay.